Let's dive in then. Let's do it. I'll let you go, Paul. Yeah, what is Project 180? <laughs> I guess it's probably it's probably a good place to start and then we can go where the where the path goes. So what is it and how did it start and what it is, what are its hopes and dreams? Lens. Hey, gosh. <laughs> Try to be concise. Um, so 180 basically is for anybody who make, wants to make that 180 change in their life and wants to change in direction. And quite often people don't know how to do that. So the original vision was that if we could get CrossFit into prisons, we had a real chance to rehabilitate in a truly meaningful way because the criminal justice system is broken. <laughs> and I and my husband had experience of being around people that were bouncing in and out of prison, not getting the help that they needed, um, not being rehabilitated, not having access to things that they needed in order to well, help them make the really difficult changes. Um, so that was kind of the original premise. It was always about let's get some kind of CrossFit program working in the criminal justice system. Um, so we set off on this journey in 2015. Um, and then as a volunteer organisation, a, a, um, a gym that both Oakley and I went to, that's how Oakley and I know each other. We trained at the same gym and Oakley became my PT. Um, which she probably regretted after she said yes. Um, I was an elderly and infirm, uh, and not very flexible. And I, I just have memories of, of Oakley like trying to get me into positions, trying to stretch me. <laughs> um, because I was, uh, I came to fitness very late in life. I was, I was old, so um, you bring all sorts of issues when you when you're not exercised for that length of time. Um, so we set off on this journey as a volunteer organisation um, dealing with people who were nearly out of prison and had drug and alcohol issues. So we ran three times a week and it worked because we knew it would work. <laughs> Simple as that. We knew this stuff would work. Wrapping a community around people who were very broken um, and damaged and traumatised and making them feel safe creating an environment for them to flourish. Um, so we kind of rocked along like that for as long as we could uh, until the right person came along who would help us then incorporate um, into a community interest company and start to build the infrastructure that we needed to run um, as an organisation because I had my own business. I was, you know, trying to do all that. My husband worked in a prison. He so we, we just didn't have the capability to, to do what was needed. That was 2018, um, and we just started to kind of build on that. We knew that we needed an external provision for people leaving prison to come to. So we knew we needed our own gym, um, and that happened as COVID hit, which was um, a challenge. Um, but we now have our own non-profit commercial CrossFit box, um, within the day, we run a structured kind of rehab program. So we have a women's cohort, we have a men's cohort, and we have a young people's program as well for 11 to 16-year-old children that are really very vulnerable. Um, 
are at risk of you know child exploitation in various forms, county lines. You know, it's um, it, yeah, it's really very very sad. Uh, but also watching them is um, is inspirational because these kids rock up three times a week. They rock up, um, and it, it's incredible. So we have that at our own crossy box, and all clean eye. I run Lancaster Farms in the prison uh, five days a week. So we run five days a week. Um, and it's incredible. Uh, so I'll shut up there because there'll be lots of questions that lead on from there that Oakley can answer. But I hope that kind of gave a, a potted history. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's lots there's in there. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know how to going. That's really weird. That stop. Um, yeah, there's lots in there, and I'll have lots of questions on that, and kind of some of the things from my experience as well, particularly in terms of children with um, from disadvantaged backgrounds and the, the challenges that they face. Um, <clears throat> my first question there is, why CrossFit? And maybe that's a question for Oakley. Um, <laughs> in terms of why that I, oh, I'd say that one's definitely for Lindsay because okay. I've heard the answer to this before and it's pretty special let's go so I was there I came to CrossFit late I was coaxed into it because a box opened next door to my business I was not for doing it I was 43 not excited for 25 years blah 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 very unfit <clears throat> so I was kind of convinced to try fundamentals and I was awful it was traumatic <laughs> Because I didn't, I'd never even heard of a BAP, um, and I couldn't jump on a box. I couldn't do any of the moves, literally. And I remember being taken what was known as a, it was like a fundamentals package. And I didn't really understand the concept. They gave like a little wad at the end, so we got taken through various moves, so they familiarise you with CrossFit moves, and then they gave a little ten-minute wad at the end to, well, put you through your paces, really. Now they put the reps on the board. And I did, I don't know, there was box jumps, but it was box steps for me on a very small box. And because I was struggling so much, I just stopped. And, and I remember the coach said to me, oh, no, you've got three more. And I said, well, I've, I've got to do them all. And she's like, yeah, you've got 10 reps. I thought it was like um, an optional thing. You just did. You know, so when you were tired, you stopped. So I was like, eh? And so I didn't really understand the whole thing. No, you complete everything. <laughs> um, so that was novel. I couldn't walk the day after. I came down the stairs on my backside. I think I broke the toilet seat um, because my I just couldn't. My legs wouldn't work. Um, but there was a little part of me because I was a sprinter as a kid. I was like a track athlete, really obsessively competitive. There was part of me as I was laid on the floor, <laughs> thinking, trying to get a proper burpee. I'll show you. I'll show you. So I kept coming back. And I kept coming back because of the community. Because I was never going to be a competitive athlete. It was too old. You know, it was never going to be about that. I wanted to get fit, but I was never going to be, you know, you know, a shiny athlete. It was the community that wrapped around and I was the one at the end of the class every time with all the 20-somethings going, come on, Lindsay, come on, you know, because I was last in every class. Second class, a 69-year-old woman wiped the floor with me. <laughs> The third class that I did, it was like 21, 15, 9. It was like far over burpees. It was a partner workout. And I remember being really traumatised in this workout, thinking, <clears throat> and I had a partner, I couldn't let her down. She was a police officer. 
I remember there was a time cap on it. I remember thinking, there's no chance, there's no chance. Anyway, we got there to the second and I flung my arms around this poor woman because she cheered me on and rallied me through. And I bonded with her so much. It was like she was my mum or something. It was like I, she meant so much to me. I'd never met her before because she encouraged me in my vulnerability and pain and you know, disbelief that I could do this. She got me through that and I loved that woman for it in that moment, you know. So I realised, wow, there's something in this that you can, with an instant, you can change things. It's interesting because when we spoke to Carl Stedman, he talked about the communities in each box is all being different but all being slightly the same in that they put your arms around you and drag you through the mire and then clean you off at the end. So that was why the CrossFit. How, what have been the biggest challenges and how have you overcome them? Um, the biggest challenge is, is having no money. <laughs> so we've literally done this on a wing and a prayer from day one. Um, but we have the CrossFit community. So people have volunteered their time, their effort, their money um, to, to back what we do. So the goodwill of the communities has allowed us to get as far as we have. Goodwill of the coaches has allowed us to get as far as we have. Um, I wouldn't like to think the hours that Oak has put in to make this happen in the prison. She won't, look at her shaking her head. Um, but it's because of her um, that Lancaster Farms um, is successful. It just what And that is the power of community. I talk about galvanising communities all the time because if you get people together with one one goal, one purpose, you really can move mountains. We should not be in that prison. We have been sideswiped in. We it's, it's a miracle. When I say it's a miracle, it's a miracle that we're in there and we're still in there. Um, and that just wouldn't happen without people like Oakland. It, ju it just wouldn't. So obstacles, always money, always the criminal justice system, the next big obstacle. Have you come against the uh, CrossFit statements? That's not that's not real fitness. They're not real pull-ups. Have you come across that kind of attitude, for, especially from probably what I would imagine are um, stubborn old PT type people that are within a large organisational system? I'll let Oakley answer this one. Um, it, it, I must admit, it's very interesting that you made that comment because um, I'm sure you can imagine, but uh, just from my experience, I had, I think very luckily, probably surrounded myself with many people over the many years that I've been coaching and I've got my gym that I'd not heard those comments for a long, long, long time until we went in the prism and where Lens was referring to the criminal justice system as a challenge that that a challenge is to say the least of the things that we've faced in there um but because I know there might be people that actually listen to this that have and are the people that you refer to um 
And I would very happily have this conversation with them, but they've certainly changed their perspective, which I'd say is, is special, is really special because the exact individual you've just defined is the many people that are, I guess, running the gym in the prison system and it's their gym at the end of the day like for us it's men um there are women PEIs as well but for us it's guys and they are like they've got their way of doing things and as much as we I could sit here and be like I'm sorry I'm, I'm gonna swear but as much as I could sit here and be like this is really shit that that was their opinion and they were very much against us coming in initially and it has probably taken us the last God, we've been in almost over a year now and it's probably up until this point that we've had a year of hard work, I'll say that, um, of trying to change those perceptions of CrossFit's going to give you injuries, CrossFit's not good enough for you. Why do you do that? Why do you do this? And actually, we've managed to have all of these guys take their level one. They took the level one last October. And I'd say that that level one was certainly a turning point. Like I'd specifically asked CrossFit to bring Carl down because um, like you guys know, speaking to Steaders is open. The way he puts things across (laughs) is just like, it's not a, it's my way or the highway sort of thing. It's a, I respect your opinion this is something I'd like you to consider. And I feel that people take that with more respect and more openness to receive the information than being like, you're wrong, I'm right. So it was really special to have him down. But we've definitely faced those things. And I'd really, really, really like to say that over the last sort of three months specifically, we've seen those things change. But I don't think the things changing were, gosh, funnily enough anything to do with CrossFit but more just people and chatting connecting understanding their point of view understanding our point of view sharing why we do things and I think for them it was also probably about seeing that bigger picture of so much of CrossFit is like anything if we're being absolutely honest can give someone an injury like you've got a pen it could give someone an injury if you use it in the correct way um But the same with CrossFit, if you do it correctly and you've got the information to back it up and to show it, you can't really question it. It's kind of sad because I remember starting out in CrossFit 10 years ago and that being the conversation, oh, it's going to get injuries. And then you had all the lawsuits for CrossFit against the um nca or whatever it was in america and then it all being found that they'd, they'd falsifies things so to the fact that that stereotype is still perpetuated now is really quite sad it feels like the industry has not or certain parts of the health and fitness industry doesn't read stuff doesn't keep ahead of what is going on just like as a healthcare professional and an educational professional, the expectation is you you read the papers that come out, you keep on top of the latest guidance and what have you. It's a real surprise that isn't maintained in other professions. And I maybe that's just naive of me, but yeah, gosh, even now that's the perception that they had. That's really frustrating. It is. It is. Um, But I'd also say that it's, we could take it as frustration and don't get me wrong, there was definitely times when we did, but what, this is just my experience, what I've tend to find with that is 
people are doing the best with what they've got. And those individuals feel in that situation. And I'll be absolutely honest, seeing their working environment, seeing what they are exposed to on the daily and the pressures and, oh gosh, it, it's it's mind-blowing to think. And I've said to them many times, it is never on earth a job that I would like to have ever in a million years. Um, and I go in there almost every day, five days a week. But the job and the responsibilities that those guys have got, like they certainly were doing the best with what they've got. And although it's been difficult for us, I'd say, I guess everything comes at the right time. And it was nice and it is nice for us to have been able to go in there and for us as well to see that this information has actually now been brought to individuals that wouldn't have ever accessed it or wished to. Um, So I guess I'm trying to take it in a different way to make us feel a bit more positive after it because we certainly need that in there. Yeah, I think that's the key though. And the, the the word that sprung to mind there, not just within prisons, but obviously it is a big word in prisons, which is institutionalization, especially with people who've been in there a long time. But let's not forget the people who work in the prisons have been there a long time as well. And they're institutionalized as much as the people who are on long sentences. So their world is in the prison. And I see this a lot with education in schools, it's it's my school this is my place and they sometimes forget to like look outside and um speak to people from elsewhere and bring that in and i think that institutionalization can only be changed by people like yourselves coming and saying hey we've got this thing maybe have a look at it yeah those three that's that sentence you fear of hearing oh we do it this way because that's how we've always done it Certainly in our institutions, that's like, okay, so we just need to maybe widen the the perspective a little bit and just ask the question, what do you think of this? As you said, there's no way going in being dogmatic, saying this is the way, because that immediately puts barriers up and people are like, I don't want to hear that, if that's what you're saying. So having someone to negotiate, to question, to gently push and prod and have that gentle approach is really important but is it not just a microcosm of the fitness industry as a whole which is i want to keep hold of my little bit and i'm not going to let anybody else in and i think that sort of idea of everybody bashing as as paul mentioned the bashing of the crossfit and the bashing of technique for a sport let's because <laughs> that's what it is um is is it because people want to protect what they're doing rather than let other people in and maybe all grow together. I don't know. I think it's, it's yeah. humans in general, sorry, Oates. Humans in general fear change, don't they? I had a conversation, fully enough, with her sister today. She was in education. She got out of it. She didn't like what was happening. She had to get out. It made her quite ill, actually. She now works for 180, funnily enough. Um, and I was talking about the criminal justice system saying, that it won't turn, it won't change internally. An external agency like us had to be the catalyst. It wasn't going to change internally because people do what they know. People fear being the one to be the unpopular voice. People fear attack. People fear change. And she said, well, that's exactly the same in the education system. She said, people say, well, it's always been done like this. This is the way we do it. Just exactly the things that you guys have just said. So therefore, most individuals within the system 
are so bogged down with the system that they don't have the energy or courage to change it. Apparently, have three months before you are ingrained. Someone said to me, you've got three months, Lindsay. Wow. And yeah. I said, right, okay, I can't get ingrained. So, fortunately, Ox and I leave every day, don't we? So, we're not in the system. We're still externally looking at it. Um, and because we are naturally both very, very positive and really believe in in humans um, and love people, and we're both very relational, the relational stuff, like Oakley said, has probably built all this. The fact that we have built the relationships with the PIs who were very cynical at the beginning because it's always backdoor privatisation, they want our jobs. Um, and when they realise that's not what we're there for, we're here to make this sustainable and actually this is your initiative, not ours. We're here to co-facilitate because this is a resettlement programme. It's just taken a long time for them to hear that. That's the thing, isn't it? You have to take people on a journey through the change. It, it's, a, it's a change with them, not to them. Yeah, I'm going to say something really like, which I still think is cringy, but actually the more, um, the more I experience, the more I think it's true. And when I first started work and somebody said to me, people don't buy things, they buy people. Yeah. And actually, do you know what? It sounds really cringy. And it sounds like one of those like mantras that people will sell to people, like people who have nothing, uh, no substance behind it. But it's actually true, isn't it? If you buy the person, you literally will buy and give the money to whatever they're selling, no matter what that is, because you've bought into them and what they're saying. And often you can teach the person, can't you? If you've got the person, the right person, you can build everything else on top of that. There you go. Yeah. They're very quiet, aren't they? Uh, we could speak a lot. I just... Uh, if you go guys for are joking, it. Well, I don't know, because what... I guess the thing that jumped out from me from what Lynn's just said there as well is the driving force behind it is as much as we can speak about the challenges which have certainly been there, mm. the reason why we've got over them and why we'll continue to get over them and why I know there'll be so many more, but it doesn't matter what they are, um, is the stories that come from it. And I mean the stories in terms of the people that we've connected with. And I hope it's all right to, to sort of share this because this was something that when we spoke about in the past and within the prison and what we've do, we do in there, um, I hope Linz doesn't mind me saying, but when I came along, I have obviously seen the power of social media and Linz was like, no, um, I don't think we're ready for that yet. Or um, no, and funnily enough it took me time to understand why but the people behind what 80 are so focused upon sustainability and not spreading themselves too thin and like that has been so successful and if you look at the women that they've got the young people that they've got the men and the people that we've got in the prison it really has paid off and it's so wonderful to see but with that it's the success of what has happened that continues to like blow my mind. But in, sorry, I was going back to, we spoke about this at the gathering last year, the CrossFit UK affiliate gathering. And something someone said afterwards was, 
we become so accustomed to speaking about prisons and being in prisons, but not a lot of people actually understand the criminal justice system. So we have four different categories of prisons. There's Cat A, which is the most maximum security. We've got Cat B, we've got Cat C, and then Cat D. So Cat D is where most people will go to, as that is the resettlement. Um, that's an open-air sort of prison. Cat C is where we are in Lancaster Farms at this moment in time. That is the only difference between Cat B and Cat C, as we found out in our security training, is basically the walls and the barriers to getting out. Um, I can't remember what they are, but basically there's high wire and you don't climb over either of them. Um, and then <laughs> the category C prison that we are in, we do not deal with sex offenders. So the vast majority of people that we are actually in contact with, that we are trying to help, that go through an interview process to become part of our program are people that are going through potentially mental health issues, drug and alcohol related issues, um, which tends to be the majority of the prison, which is, I hope it's all right to share, but a sort of sad fact in my opinion, because this was definitely my perception for a while um, because I grew up with a mum that's well and truly in the police and her job's to put these people away and hearing her description of criminals is very different to actual meeting criminals. Yeah. Um, but is that these are really nasty people. These are people that you should be scared of. The people that need to be there, the people that need to be kept away from society. Yet that's not always the case. And the people that we've come into contact with, are probably in my opinion, knowing and having taught many CrossFit boxes, the people that need this the most, but the people that would have never, ever, ever accessed it if it wasn't provided to them. Yeah. And what 180 does is that big change is that change of community because, so this is where I said I could talk for ages, but there's a story recently that one of our lads in the prison that's been with us now for about, gosh, probably about five months. Um, and he hardly spoke, like he didn't really speak much. And then recently he shared, um, he opened up to us, which was really special and meant a lot to us about how what he sees as normal is so different to what we would see as normal. Um, and the conversation was like actually around drugs. Um, and he was like, I wouldn't have ever stepped foot in a CrossFit gym because it's not, I don't fit there. And it's like, well, no, you do. And some of the guys that we've had come out from the program in Lancaster Farms are now actually, gosh, like there's so much 180 does, but like Lindsay's working her ass off to try and re-sort out the APs, which are approved premises that are just well and truly not very good for these guys to come out to help that journey. Like it's a, it's a full wraparound service. It's interesting. So we're talking about mental health and addiction. The, the, the thing that they both have in common in terms of, shall we say, rehabilitation, for want of a better description, is that group effort and support that comes with it. And Lindsay was saying right at the start, one of the things that hooked her in was the group and the support that happened in CrossFit. So you kind of have that perfect storm of exposing vulnerability through exercise and try not to flop on around on the floor like a wet fish because you know we don't do that <laughs> we we've all it. done it we've all done it um it breaks down the barriers when everybody's in the same position it just kind of 
puts everyone at a level playing field so that hierarchy kind of goes out a little bit that support comes in and all of a sudden you can start to build just a tiny bit of trust which often i would imagine for these guys is not easily found and they're constantly watching their back because of risk and because that's the experience they've had to suddenly be in a position where they can feel like their mates got their back. So say you're doing a back squat, a heavy back squat, and you want someone spotting you. There's a lot of trust that goes in that. So all of a sudden they're finding they're in a position where that trust is there and then they can start to talk about things. And then that's probably where the sprinkles of magic start to come out. Is that what you've found? I can see you're nodding, but no one can hear you saying yes. I was like, go on, Lindsay, you can take this one. <laughs> okay, yeah, the words that you use, it, it's good because they're the words that we use. So building that trust, creating a safe environment is the relational stuff that we were talking about earlier. This is all about relationship. CrossFit is just the hook. That's, that's, it's the engagement tool that we use. And then the relationship builds on that. And then as a result, you know, like the conversations that Olka was talking about, you start to learn exactly how we can help on day of release. You know, they will tell us exactly what's going on. And we need to know that in order to be able to help. So we will pick them up on day of release. We will take them to probation. We will then take them to the housing. They then come and induct into us and do a ward because they want to do a ward because they've been doing a ward every day. So they're waking up in the morning on day of release, wanting to know what a workout is. We had one guy who left for the northeast actually, um, and his words to us when he was leaving were, "I'm not going to lie, I'm going to eat shit for a month and play on my Xbox." Um, so Oakley's like, "I don't know that he's going to go into a CrossFit gym." Um, he lasted four days feeling like crap, and then signed up at his local CrossFit gym. She knew about 180, the coach knew about 180, it's quite special really, and things have developed as a result of that. But that's one, you know, special story. We've got we've got so many stories, um, but it's the relationship that continues when they leave that is what holds them safe. Yeah, I can add to that by saying, I think, I mean, this is like, a, to me, this is like the big thing that I think this gives people. Um, yes, the relationship and the camaraderie and the knowing everybody's got your back, but a sense of purpose and meaning in their life. That's, that's the word I had in my head, purpose. Yeah. It gives me a purpose. So the, and I've, I've been in prisons with um, speaking to people with ed, um, from an education point of view. They don't have a sense of purpose or meaning. That, that, <laughs> they just don't. Um, it, as a, obviously, that's a generalisation. Yeah. But actually being able to have something that you can take from the inside to the outside. That's massive. That's, that's to a lot of people, the difference between staying out and not reoffending. Mm. And you're also creating a habit uh, in terms of a, a habit into exercise. We know that if you do something regularly for about three weeks, it starts to form a habit. And if they're in there for a period of time and they're doing CrossFit regularly, it becomes part of who they are. It becomes part of their identity. Not that they are identified or defined by it, but it becomes part of something they do. So instead of trying to score some smack down the corner, they're trying to snatch their body weight. Aren't we all? Um, 
<laughs> if only. <laughs> well. <laughs> you need to lose weight to snatch my body weight. Um, but, you know, it, it just brings that kind of different targets, there's the goals to, to, to go for and, yeah, more purpose. What's my driver? It is interesting you guys picking up on purpose as well because it's like where Lindsay's sort of mentioned me and obviously Lindsay on here, we are just like the tiniest, tiniest part of the very many, many people that give up so much of the time to be a part of this. And it's really special to see. Um, and I speak specifically from the prison because I don't have as, as deeper, I guess I'm not there as much for the women or the young peoples, but from seeing the effects that it has on the coaches as well to all of those projects is it's given them like a purpose that, oh gosh, like she'll hate me for this if she listens to it, but is she here? There we go. Uh, Eva, (laughs) this is Lindsay's daughter. Oh, she might not jump on. She hates. Be shy. Yeah, she hates. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready to take (laughs) (laughs) That's Eva. So, um, I, she's gonna hate this but Eva coaches in the prison um and she is the amount of things that like she's given up and the time and the effort that it's gone into it is is just mind-blowing and <laughs> I'll never forget like there was a there was a change where like Eva messaged me a few times like when she went in the first time um because we are all connected as coaches like we're in contact and we're making sure everyone's all right and Eva said that this one guy had had said to her after the session that was the best afternoon I've ever had I completely forgot about all the other stuff going on in my life and my head and I remember her being like what can we do next how can we do all this like we need to do more that's amazing <laughs> and like so much for that and the purpose it's given so much to us is is pretty special as well it's like a two-way street it's funny and we've mentioned this in other podcasts about covid Jim shutting down nobody's shouting out saying oh it's affecting mental health but the whole mental health thing has gone really quiet since covid has settled down and gyms are all open whereas actually you are directly working on that by the sounds of it can I ask obviously you're doing the exercise and the wads is that what else is in partnership with that because I would imagine that's just that's not the whole thing. That's part of a bigger thing. So we have weekly group therapy. So we have a, a drug and alcohol cohort. So the guys that would be resettling to our area who need rehab in whatever form that, that looks like, they are on the afternoon sessions. And on a Wednesday, they have group therapy. So we have a CBT therapist that comes in and talks to them about various life skills. They get an awful lot in prison. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of different interventions that take place. But what we try and do is relate it to what they experience in the CrossFit workout. So that is the kind of formal therapeutic stuff that happens on a Wednesday. There's a kind of release journey that they go on with me to look at what they would need. There's various conversations. But what Oakley's really good at doing at the end of the class is chatting about what she's observed in the class and how that transfers to real life events. Okay, so I've just seen this. What happens on the outside if you behave like that? Um, I'll let Orkin talk about some of the stuff because she does an awful lot of kind of psychotherapeutic stuff that just relates to real life. 
Um, so we've got a guy um, who, yeah, he's an interesting character. Let's say that he's he's lovely, great guy in my opinion. Um, always there cheering everyone on, but he's got this thing about every single workout, and I mean every workout. He's so determined, but he's constantly looking at the person next to him or the best person in the class. And I mean, this, I have never seen someone this fixated on other individuals. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, but I use that to become better because I I find the fittest person, then I chase them and then I know sort of where I'm at. But (laughs) I hate to say this term, but as like an athlete within CrossFit and having participated in the sport, it's never the healthiest way to go about it. And it's also never the best way to go about it because it will bite you in the ass at some point. So that's something that we've tried to sort of highlight as part of the sessions. Um, and there was a situation recently and it wasn't a situation in terms of a negative one, but like these are conversations we'll have at the end of the sessions or at the beginning of the sessions. So like I'll program the workout with a certain stimulus, but it might have a little bit of a mental focus behind it. And in this particular workout, someone had commented on reps and they were like joking with each other saying, well, if you did all the reps, well, then maybe you wouldn't have got that score or something like that. And it was like, right, hold on a minute. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. Like if someone else doesn't want to hit all the repetitions, leave them to it. You never know what's going on. Just give them a break. Yeah, but I use their score and I'm like, okay, but you're using their score. Can you control what they're doing? Well, no, I can't. And it was like, okay, but if you're comparing and utilizing their actions to affect your actions, is that ever going to be a positive thing? It's like, if you think about it on the outside, are you going to let other people determine how you feel and how you respond to that? Or are you going to choose how you respond to that? And he's like, quite interestingly, that seemed to be when the penny dropped after a couple of months of trying to drill this home, but we're getting there. That's the thing though, isn't it? You have to introduce the idea and sometimes it's repeating it and repeating it and all of a sudden it just topples over and the dominoes fall. Yeah. And it and is that's... understanding that, yeah, you're giving your power to someone else by doing that as opposed to holding on to your power. Sorry, Sean, I got you off. Yeah, I was just going to say that the, the issues that people face are often <laughs> well under the surface. Yeah, and absolutely. they they often come out in those sort of situations and manifest themselves mm-hmm. in a way, and that's it's great that that could be the the vehicle to bring those things out to Agreed. raise them to the surface and be talked about and hopefully dealt with in the medium to long term. And like, um, I guess it's quite special as well. You've just highlighted that to me, and for me, it's a normal thing, like in all sessions, but in that environment it's even more special because if you think about it, like prison culture is pretty much what you expect prison culture is like. There's things that go on that shouldn't go on. Um, And people are constantly on like alert. And for it's not taken lightly for us when we see these lads show vulnerability. And that's vulnerability to one another. And like we've got a really strong sort of moaning cohort at the minute. And these lads... Um, that we've got a wide variety of sentences, but the majority of people that will come to a category C prison won't be there too long. So, um, and usually they do get shipped out sort of a cat D at some point. So we've had these guys quite a bit of time together 
And the amount of times recently that they've each said to sort of us as coaches individually, I would have never spoke to these lads on the wing or in any other area if it wasn't for being in here. Mm. And to see them (laughs) learn to open up, learn to, gosh, like learn to face emotions and feel emotions. And I think for me anyway, that's something that I find (laughs) our society certainly has got problems with and I'm sure that came from many years ago in many of our upbringings but emotions weren't something to be felt or taught how to feel and we tend to have a couple of issues nowadays yes they're to be expressed but too many people hold them back and Mm. think things faster yeah I also think it's if you're in a particular group it's frowned upon by people within that group. If you step out of that group and <laughs> step a foot into a different group, even though that's ultimately going to help you. So if you're part of a group that, you know, let's, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm distilling this down into <clears throat> generalizations, but within prisons, like you've got the, you, know, you might have the gym bros who are just on the weights all the time. And then if you think, actually, I quite fancy doing this thing that I've heard a few of these guys are doing over here which I've heard is CrossFit, which I don't know anything about, but I'm going to try that out. That's not going to be looked upon well by the people in your, your group of just pumping iron and doing the, the stuff that they're doing. And I think that's quite a brave step for people. Well, there's, also, there's also a focus. Sorry, I, should, I cut you off. No, no, go. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. In prison, it's very much about looking big. There's a huge yeah. steroid issue. Um, so what we what we basically did at the beginning, we, we canvassed, so we, we pitched any any we were able to be in the gym environment while the wings were going to their gym sessions. So we have the sports hall, and then if you are well behaved, you have an enhanced gym session in the evening. So we we wanted to give the prison access to CrossFit CrossFit. So the guys would come in, they'd all be heading into the gym, into the weight room, and we'd be going, come and do CrossFit, come and do CrossFit, and like literally not giving them an option and coming, getting here with us. Um, and that started to change quite a lot, actually, because guys who would never have come and done CrossFit, because we've got to look big, because we've got to look scary, because that's how it is in prison, came in and did CrossFit with us. Um it's interesting because we have had guys come through on the cohort who were steroid users, very often about that, and talk about how they've got huge regrets about that now. Steroid abuse is a massive, massive problem in prisons, massive. Um, and because of the need to feel like you're safe, uh, you need to look big. So changing that for me has been really, really interesting. Um, I had a conversation with one of the prison leavers actually today and he was talking about what's really special within the classes in the prison is that you've got the guys who are big or have a reputation or are are more athletically able that are really encouraging and looking out for guys that aren't. So it's it's not an unsafe, scary environment for them they feel safe because these guys are saying come on and cheering them on and that does not happen in prison as you said there's a pecking order there's a pecking order and a structure that everybody sticks to and what we're doing is trying to smash that wide open 
get everybody in together. We had we were very lucky at the beginning. We had staff training with the with the lads because of the the shift pattern allowed that staff could train as well. It's not happening so much now. So we had the P staff reluctantly at the time. Some of them um, we had governors, we had the head of security, we had wing managers, prison staff, civilian staff, all working out with the lads, and that was flipping awesome at the beginning. But the shift pattern's not allowed for that. I'm still trying to canvas for that on a Friday afternoon, it's going to be a challenge, but we also bring people in from the CrossFit community into the prison. So I really wanted to create a CrossFit community in prison. So let's create exactly what happens on the outside, inside, so it's familiar, so they want to be part of that when they leave. That's the other thing. So guys will come in from the boxes that our guys are leaving to. Coaches will come in. We've had big competitions, which have been amazing um and they love that they often talk about the the competitions one guy who's just resettled to us you're not going to shut me up now um one guy um has resettled to us <clears throat> from the Merseyside area was very very quiet um and i kept thinking he's not really into this never really spoke uh, but rocked up and then stopped turning up a couple of times so i went onto the wing and said listen you've got to show up and I kind of thought he'd go, yeah, whatever, not asked. Anyway, he went, no, I will, I will. And he did. We had the competition and he seemed to like it. Anyway, he's carried on with us. He's, he's gone on the resettlement pathway. He's now in one of the houses that we have in our area near our box because we have housing. So, we, you know, if you don't have housing, you're not going to look out for anybody. They do not have a decent roof over their head. Game over. It's so important that. So he resettled to us. And he got in the car, he's a man of not very many words. Um, he got in the car, he's taken to the gym. We have a, a, a community ward on a Saturday where everyone turns up. You can bring your kids, bring your husband, bring your wife. This is all 180 members. Um, and he said, you changed my life, Lindsay. And I was like, a bit taken aback because he doesn't really say much. He said, 180 has changed my life. And I went, what changed? Like, what got into it? He went, that competition. <laughs> and I went, really? He said, yeah, that's what did it for me. He said, everyone coming in and cheering us on. And I said, thought I want to be part of this. So that's how important it is bringing people in. It really moves them to know that people in their own time are volunteering, driving up to the farms, are there to encourage, look out. You know, it, it, it can transform someone's belief in themselves. You I was going yeah, to ask that. Do you find that, and I'm I'm generalising and I'm making assumptions that perhaps a lot of these guys have come from situations where people haven't believed in them, haven't put investment in them, and all of a sudden they have a glimpse, so him doing a competition and these people cheering him on and him doing, I'm assuming he did quite well, it's like, oh, actually... I've just I've given myself some self-esteem here, some belief in myself. I like this. I'm going to feed on that and keep going. Is that is that what you find? And then I have a follow-up question to that. It's one thing being a CrossFit trainer, and that's brilliant. You can take them through all the movements and you can program a class. But have you done additional stuff on top of that to help you with understanding the care and attention that, or, that might be needed with these guys and their mental health, their attitudes? Because I'm guessing you can't just rock up with an L1 and do this. You might need to have a bit more depth to that. 
Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. Um, so just to go back to the first question you asked there, like, do you see the, the sort of change in the worth? Yeah, like Lindsay's just said, um, I think it's not just the guys seeing sort of their worth in that other people are taking that effort. But like, there's two stories that jump out to me. Um, I hope it's all right to share. One of them is one that's actually out next week and my fingers and everything across for this guy because he's older how he came along to he's almost he's almost 60 years new and um i won't say the name but i was told he was 64 when i asked him he was mortified in my age he's <laughs> no idea <laughs> has he? he's no idea um but anyway this guy once said to us in a session towards the end he was like so gosh it was quite impactful. It was along the lines of, I can't, like, I can't grasp that you guys don't want anything from us because all I've ever known and all we've ever known in our lives is we'll do something for someone and we owe them a favor. And it's a favor that's not always a nice favor. And he's like, I can't, I've not met like people that don't want something from me in return. This guy's like one of, gosh, um, as he was telling me the other day, one of the big names in Manchester connected to different gangs in and out of prison his whole life. And that gave him a different perception, which just blows my mind. Um, and then another one of the guys that's actually resettled to, um, well, he's at uh, Delta Fox now on a sort of coaching pathway, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The thing that he said to us, and gosh, I won't tell you his full story, bless him. But he definitely came to us and he couldn't, he wasn't bothered. And he said that he was like, I was just planning to get out. I was going to go against like, but I didn't even care about my license. I just wanted to get out of the country. Like that was it. His head was not, I get, he happily wouldn't mind me saying like screwed on at the time. Um, and he'd been in since he was 20 and he was 28. So he'd been in a decent amount of time. Um, and after Christmas, someone gave him the Matt Fraser book um, as a Christmas present. It changed him. And I, it still to this day blows my mind. Um, And he came up to us on the day we came back after the Christmas holidays and was like, I'm really, really sorry. And we were like, what the fuck's going on? Like, what are you sorry for? And he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, you guys have given us so much, like the amount of time, the things, the people that have come in, like, the the not wanting anything from us and I didn't give it back and he's like I've read this book and it's changed my life um and we were quite lucky actually because Steve who I know you said you've had on the podcast um Steve came into the prison with us for a little competition and met this guy and I must admit I purposefully put them in the same team because I was like these two need to anyway they did And I told Steve about it. He came over one day and I was like, look, this lad read this book, Steve, because Steve works for hard work, pays off. And I was like, it's just changed him. And he told Matt and Matt Fraser actually sort of like, we got a letter to him and Matt sort of like spoke some things in return. And it was like, because the connections Matt's got to um, the Redemption Road in the States. Oh gosh, it made the biggest difference for this guy. And I don't it, it, it's the thing I just honestly I, I can't really put it into words um how special that was but like that's the sort of impact you can get from it which is pretty special and the change in their self-worth is just um I'm sorry I completely forgot your next question 
So additional training on top of the L1 yes. to help support these guys. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I think jumps out to me is that Lindsay's husband works in the prison um, and he gave us all... <laughs> he gave us all the best training that we could get. I'm not going to lie. It was wonderful. He gave us all information and all support in how to, first of all, handle ourselves within the prison environment, what to expect in going in and also how to do so safely, but not only that, how to do so respectfully um, to ourselves and the prison. And that was something that we didn't get elsewhere at all. Um, And in addition to that, we are, I'd say if we were thinking about doing sort of mental health suggested um, courses, this is just my experience, but it's sort of the ones that I've come across don't, gosh, I don't, I don't want, this is just my opinion, sorry, but don't tend to support people in the best way other than, I guess, learning how to chat to people and being a listener and, Gosh, like I, I'll be honest, I started a psychology degree last year in the hope that it would give me more qualification because I was like, right, I seem to be doing a lot for these people. Um, and this wasn't just in the prison, but it was in training and coaching in general. And I've done my own courses in the past, which are for me personally, um, that have all been around mental health, that have all been around mindset, wellness and so on. Um, and the psychology degree wasn't what I was looking for at all. Um, so I left that, I'll be honest. But in terms of us as coaches, we've not necessarily done more, but we've got the people that have. So like Linda's said, we've got a guy on our team called Mark, who is the group um, and who will do one-to-ones with the guys so that we know where our realms of support finish. And that we also know that when it exceeds that, we've got someone that has the responsibilities and the ability to take it over, which from my opinion was a game changer because there's so many things that you see in gyms where you naturally become as a coach, a therapist, but you might not necessarily have the actual qualification or knowledge behind you to be given that. Whereas we do in Mark. So it's like, Mark, help. I think that's a really important thing to just kind of underline is it's really important to to know where your skills, knowledge and remit stops and when it's time to signpost people on. And I think in other conversations we've had, it's that's been the biggest crux, I think, is just kind of saying, hold on a second, you need to know where your boundaries finish because actually you could now be doing more harm, yeah. albeit with a good heart, but actually it's a big risk if you start suggesting things and actually it can spiral and go in a very negative way. So that's really cool that you've got Mark to, to kind of go, hey, come this way, I know a man that you can speak to. I'm just going to have to grab my battery charger, guys, but please, please carry on. So we also have um, a trauma therapist, so NHS psychotherapist, who offers one-to-one in the community as well. So if we don't really want to open people up in a prison environment, obviously, Mm. Um, so it's kind of skills-based stuff that we touch on in prison. We have to be very, very careful what we do. You can't you could not start to open somebody up on the past trauma stuff. That would be very, very dangerous. So it is kind of light touch stuff, but what tends to happen is the one-to-one conversations that happen on the gym floor, because he's, he's there in the gym session as well. 
So he can spot anyone that might be struggling with stuff. So he will chat to them on there. So it's that one-to-one relational stuff. Again, it's all the relational stuff. Always. And because he's got lived experience, so our CBT therapist was a heroin addict. He's 25 years clean. You know, he's been around. So these guys are speaking to someone who's got an affinity with them. A lot of our team have lived what's known as lived experience. So you're dealing with people who've who've been through what our guys in the prison have been through. And that's a game changer in terms of opening up a relationship of trust and respect. Yeah. Yeah. So just thinking about, sorry, I'm going back to a thought I had earlier and then I was waylaid by the really kind of interesting um, things that you were saying. So the resettlement (laughs) stuff that you're doing when people come out is participation in what you're doing at the farm is that part of their resettlement contract so if you are in the farms we want you really six months prior to release because it takes six months i think to develop that relationship and that cycle of you know the the whole behavioral change you know i think happens within a six-month period that's just anecdotal from my experience over years um and then, obviously, if they want to transition to us in the community, they've had six months of doing it with us. They know exactly how it works. It's exactly the same in the community. CrossFit and group therapy. We have nutritional stuff. We have a, ra- a massive wraparound. There's faith element if people want to explore faith. They're just a 12-step fellowship, so Alcoholics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous, you know, there's, we wrap around as much as we can for those individuals that have travelled that journey with us. Some may go on to other rehabs in other different areas, you know, but if you're coming to us because you need housing and need rehab, that's the journey. Who is the, um, who, who's the, I don't know what the word is, the agency organisation who um, looks after the resettlement process within the prisons you work in. So I'm just thinking in terms of my experience of changing lives I've worked with quite a lot, you know, changing BGL. lives. BGL. Yeah. So they've kind of, they manage that process and do the referrals and things like that. It was just more. Well, this is where it gets very, very muddy, Sean. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's why I'm asking because it's it's just so unknown. Because there seems to be a multitude of agencies within the prison walls and that traveling externally that provide the same service. So it, I was in a minefield when I went in because I just assumed there'd be one pathway out, but there just isn't. So there's an issue, I think, a bigger issue that needs to go on strategically up the ladder um, to talk about the overlap and the fact that you know people get missed in the system. There's not, it just, it's very, very confusing. So there isn't a resettlement organisation within the prison. You've got Spectrum, you've got healthcare, you'll have employment, you'll have recycling lives. Um, there's a multitude of them and it's just, I don't know, if you're lucky, someone will pick you up and carry you up at the other end, but yeah, that's if you're it's, lucky. It's mad and, sorry, I will come back to something Oakley mentioned before about like apologising for saying things that might be not the right thing to say or slightly controversial. And I think I'll go back to what Lindsay said right at the start of the conversation, which is the uh, criminal justice system criminal justice system is broken. I think we'll all agree it is. 
and for the for all of the reasons that we've talked about and something does need to change and that idea of people not knowing where they stand and what's available to them when on the inside and in the transition period and that resettlement period and then when they're out no wonder there's so many people reoffend and go back in it's 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 just an absolute minefield and i think these little Sorry, I'm I'm not being disparaging, but I think in the grand scheme of things, this is quite a small thing, the, the 180 project, and I, I, I hope you take that the right way. Um, it, it's a small thing because it's it hasn't been rolled out; it's not everywhere, and the amount of money that goes in from um, the Department of Justice and <laughs> into all of these schemes, whatever they might be, maybe these things that we're talking about today are the start of maybe opening people's eyes up to there is another way and it's not just the things that everybody's done forever the this is what we've always done and there are other things and other ways in which we can help people to reintegrate and be more positive in their next the next version of their life and that's what we're trying to do, Sean. The problem we have faced right from the very beginning, we no one would fund us in prison. The government, you know, the prison wouldn't say, oh, yeah, we'll pay for that. Um, so we basically pitched this idea on the regional drug strap forum. The number one governor at Lancaster Farms happened to be on that and said to the drug strap lead at the time, okay, let's get them in because we said we'll pay for it. And I'm going to be honest, we didn't know how we were going to do but, you know, we didn't know how that was going to happen. We just trusted that that would happen. <laughs> um, and it did. Um, but we are self-funded in the prison because we have to provide the results and evidence that this works in order then to be able to say, look, this is what we are doing. Let's look at how the prison service can you know, look at their budget, each individual prison maybe, look at their internal budget and address the fact that guys are coming back to prison all the time. We've got five now with us, um, four of which has been with us quite a long time, prolific offenders, they won't mind me saying that, I'm sure they wouldn't, um, prolific offenders, one of which in and out of jail for 20 years, the other in and out of jail for 15 years, young offenders right the way through. Um, and if you were to see these guys now, um, thriving in the community, part of that 180 community, the Delta Fox community, or, you know, our actual gym members are part of this as well. Um, it will show you what's possible. So the amount of money we have saved the government by keeping these guys safe and secure with a purpose, you know, and a goal, you know, to better themselves and, and find a way through life despite their challenges. You know, it's a substantial saving, but providing longitudinal research takes time. How long have you been doing this? So the prison program's been running since March last year. Okay. So we're, we're really in infancy with that. I mean, mm. we've got evidence from how, you know, the community, community program that we've been running since 2018. But, you know, we, we need robust evidence and are you able to across from the states? 
Sorry, Paul. Just could you just repeat that? Yeah, yeah you just froze for a sec, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Are you able to use any of the information that's coming out of the states from their similar programs and kind of extrapolate it into the UK system? I'm trying to do that. Um, it's whether people will listen or not. Their mm. system is slightly different. I do meet with Redemption Road. I meet with the they have a facility call every two weeks. I do meet and chat with them. Um, which is hugely encouraging because they're like, you keep going, Lindsay, uh, because they face similar challenges that we do. You know, what they've done over there is incredible, um, but it's it's very, it's inmate-led. So they, they, you know, I don't know that we'd ever get the UK system to a place where prisoners would be allowed to run it like they are over there. I'd like to think that we could. Um, so we face different challenges, but similar in some respects so I, I am using funnily enough the evidence from their their most recent report in kind of some of the proposals that I send out but it's very very difficult to sell CrossFit to individuals who don't understand CrossFit that that's that has been the most difficult challenge I think that I've faced you know we spoke about challenges at the beginning because if you don't understand CrossFit you just don't you, they actually assume we're just giving people extra gym so then the justification is well we do weights we do bowler why would we do CrossFit you know they can join a gym when they leave we do this gym level what you know within the prison system I'm talking about you know, you know what is so different about CrossFit because then trying to explain the community aspect just sounds like airy fairy fluffy stuff. Yeah. So, so we we had uh, following on from the conversation we had with with uh, Steve Fawcett. So we had a roundtable um, with, uh, with with Steve. Um, Help me out with Mitch Adams with um, Alec, Alec Harwood, Harwood and. And um, oh, his name is he runs the arch. Rodwell, London, Rodwell, Matt Rodwell, yeah, Matt Rodwell. Um, so we had a round table, and I think it was like a ten years reflection piece on where CrossFit is um, in the UK, particularly. And I think the the I suppose the from my point of view the. The idea that I got is that CrossFit needs to maybe kind of redefine where it is and what it is in terms of its original ideas. It's still very niche, isn't it? I think. It is very niche. And, and I, I think, think that's the problem. And I think you that that kind of that message that you mentioned there, Lindsay, in terms of people don't know what it is. Mm. That needs to like that's that's fundamental to me, in terms of dispelling the myths that we talked about right at the beginning. In terms of yeah. the, the wrong pull-ups, <laughs> you need not... you need the key players involved in the system to be involved in CrossFit so they get it. People know football, they know rugby, they understand the community that does or doesn't come with that. But because CrossFit is still niche, and it's interesting because I think if you're into CrossFit, it doesn't feel niche anymore. And we were talking about the fact that you can't go into a sports shop and try a pair of CrossFit shoes on. You tend to buy them off online, hope they're the right size. And I think 
because it's still niche, it then becomes a, a much bigger barrier to sell it to someone. Look, we know this. It's not just the CrossFit Games because that's what people see. That's the thing that's advertised. They don't see the box. They don't see the community. They don't share the hugs, the shouts, the high fives at the end of it and what leads on from that. They don't see the person that's come in timid and afraid and then six months later is the loudest person shouting at the new person that's come in. Yeah. And I don't know how you you do that unless you grab a lot of people that are the key players and say, come on, you're coming out with me for the next three weeks and you are going to come to our group session on a Saturday. And then then let's have a conversation about it and you can make an, a slightly more informed decision. I do have the answer to that. You have a high-profile MP in the cabinet who does CrossFit. Really? Who's that? No, I don't know, but you get oh. one. <laughs> I thought you were on there, Sean. Yeah, I know of none of them. But I'm, saying, I'm, I'm being cynical a little you bit. You need there, Joel Domit to put oh, his it's a good point, actually. I know where you're going with that, or yeah. I think I do. Um, yeah. I'm just being yeah, cynical. It's a very interesting point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Because he I loves think... it, doesn't he? He's going to put... Sorry. I've frozen. Um, I said he's well into his CrossFit, isn't he? Joel yeah. Domit. Yeah. Um, is there's loads of things that we just sort of mentioned there, guys? That I thought was really cool. Um, and something that jumped out for me is like, although it is small and new now, um, in fact, no, let me start like with with what we just said about CrossFit. I think what we've got to remember as well is that as much as CrossFit isn't new to us, it is still relatively new compared to so many other disciplines. And if you think about it, and this might just be me showing my age, but CrossFit's something that's that I think really came in roundabout when nothing else had ever really been new in the fitness industry, like to the point that CrossFit has become what it is now. And I think it's quite interesting to remember that this is just my opinion as well, but that CrossFit has all of these options and that's what makes it CrossFit. It's what makes it bloody hard work for us because there's so many different avenues but that's what makes it what it is. Like it's universally scalable. It's great for your grandma, just as it's great for the kid coming through the door. And I feel like for it to fit those individuals, it's got to have some sort of, um, oh, I don't know the right word, but it, you can't define it. Like I know we could, and it's like constantly varied, functional movement, high intensity, and you've got that definition, but it means what it means to each person, in my opinion, because it's what that person needs at that point in time, which is how I think it also develops for each individual. But think just jumping back to like it being something new just as CrossFit's new I guess it's we're also like a newer sort of entity within the sort of prison service but I think I'd just like to point out that it's I've found it really refreshing and really cool that Lindsay has had so so many other prisons reach out to be like come to us please get involved we want 180 there and because they want to make sure as 180 that we've got the results and this can be genuinely a change that happens. And it's going to like, I'll be honest that when I decided to sort of put more time and it was never a question, but I didn't have a choice. I'll be honest when this took over my life as it has, um, I knew it probably wouldn't change in my lifetime, but the work that we will do and the work that many people do with 180, I really do envision will change the system at some point. But like anything, change takes a lot of time. Um, 
So I think it will take its time, but I guess it's quite cool that we get to be on the journey alongside CrossFit, like developing itself and changing. And like also I think the change, like having the connection to CrossFit and teaching for seminar staff is not, I'll be honest, it's not been an easy road, um, especially if you think back to COVID and everything that happened with Greg. But it's been a really cool road to see the company change since. And the things that they now sort of put out on social media, I think it's really cool. The, like if you look on CrossFit, they're actually putting out like these little videos of magic of CrossFit, which is highlighting all those special attributes yeah. and things that, like, I'll be honest, for me as a gym owner, it makes it so much easier because I'm like, I've actually now got social media things I can show to people versus, like you said, the social media thing just being the games. So we've got the options. I think it's, I personally think it's getting there. Um, yeah. then it's and if we think, everyone. Sorry, if we think back to like this year's Open, like a couple of months ago. Yeah. Like, it was the most scaled Open in terms of all of the different options and all of the ways in which people could scale. There were so many, so many categories that people had. And I seen that in terms of the, the score sheets, but also in practice within, within the gyms in terms of, you know, you've got RX athletes in the same heats as people who were doing not just the previously scaled options, but the you know, <laughs> the age scaled options and yeah, the, 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 all of the different options. And I think that is that is brilliant, and that is a a good way to show and showcase what you've just said in terms of CrossFit not just being the games, it being a methodology for people, yeah. whatever the level, to actually get fit and healthy and improve whatever it is they want to improve and be better at. Yeah. And do you think both can exist simultaneously? Um, yeah. Like, to be honest, a great person to chat to about this is Carl because um, he like, it's really cool, his perception. And I'll be honest, it was something I struggled with quite a bit of time um, being on staff, teaching things at the weekend and going to the games and feeling a bit of a fraud in the sense that I was like, I'm speaking about health and fitness, but I don't actually feel my healthiest or fittest at this high level of uh, of sport, which I guess would make sense. Um, not to say everyone's in that situation. It may have just been me. Um, but I do think we need both um, because I think the games can be something that people look up to and be like, wow, that, that's really, really cool. It gives people that sort of inspiration, I think, could bring it back to what we see on .com, like it's programmed for the best in the world and that's what allows us to scale. But I also think what allows us to keep pushing to get better as a community, like if you think about the previous Open we've just done, like that workout was done back in, was it 2013 or 2014, the muscle-up one? Like I remember doing it back then and the amount of women that didn't complete all the muscle-ups, yet this year it was, it was like known. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool, but... I am also with you in that you can have those frustrations and I have in the past where people see the games and it's like, that's not CrossFit. Like, that's not the only thing we've got. But I think you needed that. You needed the games to then, to pull CrossFit out into the, into the, um, into the, into the space um, as a flagship. more and i think it's also understanding it's both a sport and a health and fitness methodology and people and we spoke about this before with others it, it is about what you eat what you do it's not just about the exercises and it's it's also what you feel i think you, you said that um 
you can't just read it on a piece of paper or watch a YouTube video. You kind of need to go to a box and just pick up the vibe that comes with it. Especially those the Saturdays where the whole group are in it. It's a big team. Yeah. It, it's there's a, like it's also quite interesting as well because I think that if I'm being brutally honest, part of the thing that's kept our guys hooked in the prison is the competitive aspect. And you know what, I'll probably be honest, I think it's the same for me because that's just my um it's my journey with it and I guess why I started CrossFit in the first place. But I think if you're that sort of individual the competitive side even if it's like it might start against other people like our lad in the prison but I know at some point that journey will lead to that sort of competition against himself and developing him and it is special to see that you can take that sort of competitive edge and use it for really good things um well that's what we've experienced yeah so what's what does the next 12 24 months hold for project 180 Can I, can I, sorry, I'm not going to answer that question, but I will because it's linked to what you were going to say. Um, and I will just preempt um, CrossFit affiliate within a prison. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's us. I'm the first CrossFit affiliated gym in a prison outside of the US. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's a nice thing to better say, isn't it? Yeah. So you've done that one. You can take that box. So now you need to have more affiliates, right? Yeah. Well, like Oka said, um, creating the blueprint is a huge responsibility um, because these are people's lives. So, and we take that really, really seriously. This is not about, um, and that's the wonderful thing about 180. It draws people to it that aren't concerned with their own personal ambition that seems to be the beauty of it all it's people are drawn because they genuinely want help so i think that's what makes it incredibly special this is not about personal gain for anybody it just isn't we've all given up a lot if anything to do this um because we care so much about people having the opportunity to be transformed um and as Oakley said at the beginning you know, giving CrossFit or giving people who would never have access to CrossFit that access, I didn't say that very well, um, it felt unfair to me that lots of people wouldn't be able to do CrossFit because they didn't have the means to do so. Because it is so amazing, so it just seems really unfair, doesn't it, that a lot of people wouldn't be able to afford to do it. Um, so yeah so sorry the next 12 to 24 months um, we are still obviously trying to ensure that we get the blueprint right at the farms we, they've had some regime changes and that simply means the timetable at the gym has changed a couple of times and we get obviously we're part of that so we've had to dance on our feet and be very flexible and uh, be prepared to, you know, chop and change what we do to the point where, um, you know, we start next week on a, on a shift system. So we will be able to access more men and they will also be able to take part in education 
or other activities whilst being with us and they weren't able to prior to this new shift system happening so that's really good so hopefully the incentive is you can you know come to 180 crossfit um but also alongside let's get you through your education levels if you've not got them um so hopefully it will be an incentive for people to do the stuff that they might be thinking i can't be asked doing that um so i want to i want to see the impact of that happen uh we are in talks with the local category d prism because the guys that leave us from the farms are then left high and dry really when they go to Cat D. They've been with us five days a week and then they go to Cat D and it's a massive change through the kind of induction process. They only get two sessions of gym a week. Everything's a bit weird and wonderful. So they've no they've no access to CrossFit. Can they so not we are trying to sorry, can can they not come back to you on the um temporary release on license? So only not. They are coming to us next Wednesday to assess us as a provider for Rothbull release on temporary license. So that is those talks are in place, but again, there will be a cost implication of that that the may not have. Um, so we want to develop that. Um, but as Oakley said, there are a lot of prisons across the country that, uh, that want to roll this out. So it's just managing expectations, making sure the blueprint really is is something that's been tested. Um, and then the five-year plan was always year three, a category B, year four, a women's prison, year five, a category A. Mm. So it might be that we don't follow that trajectory strictly to that timeline, but that will be the expectation that we that we start to move up um the categories and access the women's prison um which is style up here um and that isn't a category but it's just because it's there's not as many women that offend apparently uh they're all lumped in um but again in there um it's something that i really really want to do that i really want to do because we have lots of women on our community program that have been through been through that particular prison actually um, so just solidifying our offer and well, just trying to get the right people involved as well. Yeah. How you many know, how many prisons are there in the UK? You know what? That's a really good question. Can someone Google <laughs> that? Yeah, I, I just I just thought of it, and I was just I was just thinking in terms of the scope and the. Um, oh, it's a big scope. I mean, there are some private prisons. There's 141. Apparently, uh, prisons in in, in in the UK, um, and I think there's about there's some of those are privatised. Because um, I know the Isle of Man are interested as well. I mean, the the, the thing that will be hard to contain is is PI to a CrossFitters, because they will be like, let's make this happen in my prison, um, and they'll probably be quite frustrated actually because. Um, they will be met with a lot of no's because it's always about funding. It's always about funding. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see how this kind of looks next year in terms of where we're at and where the conversations are at in the UK. Yeah. It's it's really annoying about any of these things that it always just boils down to politics. It's so frustrating. Yeah. so frustrating. So frustrating. 
I mean, if there's anyone listening to this and they want to reach out and help, how is the best way for them to contact you or find you or, or find some more information about you guys? So we are starting to up the ante with social media. Um, so um, you can check us out on social media. Um, the website is the180project.co.uk. Um, you can find us on Instagram under the180project, can't you? Um, if you want to specifically have a look at the prison store, we are at hmp.180 uh, on Insta. So you, there's lots of ways that you can find us. Um, LinkedIn as well. I don't think LinkedIn, uh, that's not something I'm horrendous when it comes to social media. I'm literally a dinosaur. I've just gone on Instagram. I did find you guys on there, actually. On LinkedIn? I might have set that up. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of yeah, but no, we've. I don't know with uh, LinkedIn. It's it's also quite a. If anyone does reach out, um, and this is this is more lens, but I think it's wonderful. Is it's never uh, or what I found with one eighty is it's never a, this is the job role who wants to fill it. It's a natural progression of individuals that have come through the program or associated themselves or been pulled to it and drawn to it naturally. So if anyone does reach out, expect the response, come and see what we do, like come and get involved, come down to the prison. And that seems to be the thing that we'll probably stick to, like come and get involved on a Saturday workout. It's like CrossFit, isn't it? Someone's like, I want to start CrossFit, right, come to a session because it's the best way to see whether it resonates with you um, and also vice versa. Yeah. Well, I will just say like from a personal point of view, the, the prisons that I've been into from an education point of view, um, I'm more than happy to um, reach out to them and see, see what they think of this, um, particularly in Teesside uh, where I've done quite a lot of work um, and see where that goes. So, yeah, let's uh, let's maybe pick that conversation up um, outside of the conversation. I can't offer yeah, that fruit. <laughs> I've only ever played rugby inside prison, <laughs> and that was a, that was an eye-opening experience as a seventeen-year-old. That was a long time ago. Did, did you did you come out um, with all limbs intact? All limbs intact, Good. and a strong desire never to be in prison. Did you win? Yes. And the referee took go. pity on me at one point, which I was very grateful for. There's <laughs> <laughs> some big chaps. <laughs> Thank you very much for finding the time to sit down with us and talk through the amazing project um, you are guys are working on and delivering to some very fortunate people. Sean, do you have anything else you want to say, ask? No, um, I, I just think the, this conversation has been a long time in the making. Um, we've tried to make it happen a few times and it's been well worthwhile um, hanging on and making it happen. And such an amazing, worthy cause. And I just hope those people in politics don't get in the way of uh, what is Good an amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing uh, project. And if, if you want to come back in a year's time... And, you know, see how things are going. We'd love to have you back and have more chats about it. Yeah, we'd love that. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about what we do. Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. 
Yeah. Thank you guys again. Like, thanks for giving us a chance to speak. You can probably tell that could probably speak a lot more than people actually want us to speak about it. So thank you so much for giving us, I guess, the voice and also being willing to listen. Oh, we love a good conversation. Our pleasure. <laughs>